0: Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. This is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast.
1: Oh, my stars and garters, it's issue 10. I'm Anthony. I'm David.
0: I'm Katie.
1: I'm Jim. Welcome to the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Uh, The podcast is structured where we talk about spoilers for some uh, club-selected picks and we move into a segment with non-spoilers for our favorite issues of the week and we close it up with some news. So we're going to kick it off with Avengers No Surrender, issue number 675 over in the spoiler discussion. This is by Al Ewing, Mark Wade, Jim Zub, and Pepe Larraz. The earth has been stolen, the sky burns, while mysterious cosmic objects crash down from above, wreaking havoc across the world. The Avengers are the last line of defense between Earth and the mysterious forces threatening to tear it apart. It's time to assemble. The teams you know and love from Avengers, Uncanny Avengers, U.S. Avengers, and Occupy Avengers come together to face a threat beyond any they've faced before in a weekly epic adventure that will define the future of Earth's mightiest heroes. This is the first of 16 issues, which will be discussed here at the Comic Club. This is the big thing that they've been talking about, the the non-event. Is you, yeah, uh, the non-event. Yep. Um, yeah, this is something that I was very excited for. I, I dip in and out of the Avengers titles throughout the years. Um, I've probably read more classic Avengers from 60s to 70s, opposed to like more modern ones. Um, while I follow these characters mostly in their individual books, uh, once again, whenever there's anything, like, event or non-event related, I'll jump into the title and kind of see, you know, crossovers and things like that. Um, anyone else here, any overall history with the Avengers? I've read a lot of classic stuff,
0: but I've read some of the more modern, uh, stuff. I'm not a regular Avengers reader, um, but I do periodically pick something up and, uh, so, I mean, I've, I've read some of it. The thing that I like about the Avengers is that um, there's actually a lot of Marvel characters that I don't really enjoy their solo stuff. Um, so Avengers typically does well with these characters that, you know, that I, I don't enjoy on a solo basis, but thrown into a team, um, characters like, uh, like Thor. Thor's a good example. I've never been a big fan of Thor on his own, but I like him on the Avengers in in a team setting.
1: I think a lot of people had said that even for the movies related to that, you know, a Thor solo film, they they would prefer you know him interacting on a more team level,
0: right? Which they kind of put him in the the, the last movie and Ragnarok. sort of his own team. Um, they had enough characters that it was kind of like having a team. So even though it was an Avengers movie. He still sort of had that team. He had these other characters to make it more interesting. And uh, there were a lot of other differences in the movie, but that certainly probably didn't hurt it at all.
1: And then uh, Jim had mentioned... My
2: experience with the X-Men is almost all the movies except for a little bit back 30-some years ago when I was reading my cousin's old books. Um, So this was interesting to me because there are a lot of characters that I've never seen. And team-ups that I didn't know existed, you know, I, Champions I never heard of. <laughs>
1: yeah, Champions is a book that I've been championing, if you will, um, for the last year or so, just liking a lot of the younger heroes and the characters that are part of that book, so I've been following that, Mark Wade who's been writing that, and he's wrote Avengers over the years and stuff too. It's kind of cool seeing the, the talents from all the different Avenger books kind of coming together for... While the other titles are, you know, temporarily canceled in a way. Yeah, right now they're just they're all Avengers. Yeah, but they're giving you, uh, you know, sixteen in a row. So instead of uh, having the story play out for like a year and a half plus, uh, we're just going to get that in a couple months' time, which will very coincidentally lead right up to a big giant movie that has the Avengers in the title. So yeah, okay. now see one thing about this um, is
0: they've they've said that. No Surrender is going to feature a lot of Avengers. It's like, if, I don't know that it's going to have all of them, everybody that's ever been an Avenger, but it's going to have a lot of them, a lot of the the lesser-known ones, um, all, all the, the big the, guns. The
1: B-teams, everything, the C-teams.
0: D-teams, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, right off the bat, I mean, it just pretty much starts off with with one of those lesser-known characters, and you went, like, who is this guy? And... Um, oh, he's been an avenger that that kind of thing you know some people that have been reading for a long time will be more familiar with the character, but it's a more obscure character and uh so um but yeah they they jump right into it, having some of the the lesser
1: knowns and any avengers backstory for you at all, Katie. Uh-huh.
0: No, except for the movies. This is the very first time I have ever read an Avengers comic, so.
1: And that's a good thing, you know, like when you have something as big as this, something, you know, an issue 675 that it's never too late to jump on.
0: Right, and and Jim, we were both trying to say something at the same time for, uh, was there... I covered you it. Or you get, okay.
1: And like you said, you jump right into this story where you have this character, uh, Miguel, who is uh, basically on this uh, secret mission as he's... Uh, Doing in, in Texas, he's uh, playing some cards with some people, but uh, there's a, what like a sheriff or somebody, not a sheriff, but some guy comes in uh, who basically knows that this isn't uh, this is a an Avenger or a former. Well,
0: lady. yeah, initially they're they're playing cards and uh, um, it must be like a ring of like uh,
1: Just car thieves, car or uh, yeah. whatever.
0: And one of them actually come in initially and say, hey. Did this isn't one of our clients, this is an Avenger.
1: Yeah, it refers to him as the Living Lightning, which later on in the book, as you go on here, he wants just to be referred to as Lightning. Yeah, because
0: he doesn't want to be confused with the Living Laser, so he drops <laughs> Living and he's just Lightning.
1: So yeah, as for me, I'm not too uh, familiar with this character, so it was kind of... I'm always interested in a story like going into something and just kind of being lost in a way, but just kind of wondering like what direction they're taking it. So I, I did enjoy this kind of... You know, you don't see your big classic A-list hero kicking it off,
0: and the, and there's a reason for for doing it. Um, it comes right from him a little bit later when they're calling all the Avengers together. You know, it's kind of like, well, if I'm here, it yeah. must be a big deal. I mean, if they called me, yeah, they're they're really uh, reaching deep, you yeah. know, dragging the bottom of the barrel.
1: And that all stems from uh, them looking up in the sky, and we're cutting to New York City as they're just seeing this. Uh, uh, this this thing happened. It's weird to say, like, this, like, fire in the sky because that's like, kind of what's happening in the Phoenix. Yeah, I know, and
0: that's exactly <laughs> the first thing I thought of is, like, wait, is this a, is this a Phoenix <laughs> resurrection tie-in here?
1: But, yeah, you have uh, Sam Which Wilson... Sam Wilson, who uh, recently uh, reclaimed the Falcon after his stint as Captain America over the last couple of years, you see him in New York City and him and his uh, buddy Red Wing, um, just kind of flying around and basically trying to save as many people as you want. And then the next, you know, several pages. Yeah. Is Red
2: Wing the bird? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. In in the movies, you'll see a, a droid it's, version. It's like yeah, uh, this uh, flying uh, drone, drone type thing. Yeah. But,
0: uh, yeah, in the comics, he's always had this actual, an uh, actual bird, Falcon yeah. named Redwing. And that
1: makes sense for the movies because, you know, there's a certain line of cheese you can cross over with, you know, and I think if they threw in an actual bird at this time, you know, it might be... Because in the, in the
0: comics, Falcon actually does have some superpowers. They're, you know, nothing um, that's ever been portrayed as being, like, these just incredible powers... But one of them is that he does have the ability to communicate with
1: birds. And then he has, like, they're giving them his sight, too, so they can, like, fly around and he can see, like, you know, kind of, like, doing these little, well, just like a drone, basically. Yeah. basically having, like, this psychic easier. connection with
2: birds. <laughs> much easier to do as a drone in the movie, yes. yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a little more acceptable, I think, yeah. Much easier
0: to explain, also.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, you pretty much just get a montage of just flying all over the place, um... Where you're seeing Beast and Miles Morales and Doctor Strange, and one thing I had to question though, like, you know, this isn't Miss Marvel, or is it Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan? Because you just see, because well, she's wearing a purse with her logo and stuff, but it's on her back, and this, you know, just a young fan. Yeah,
0: I wasn't. Um...
1: And one thing I was going to bring up is that currently, because sometimes these books can kind of happen. While continuity doesn't always fit up with their own solo series right now in the Miss Marvel book, which I've been reading since the beginning, she has left the mantle, and her friends are taking over as taking turns being Miss Marvel. Nobody knows where Kamala Khan has went, so reading this, and I re flipped through this uh before we started, and I don't see her anywhere, Not so just sure. so this is in yes. continuity, I guess right now is that. Currently in her book, she's quote-unquote missing. Um, but, yeah, you see the vision. Uh, but the thing that really caught me is when they reach to Carol uh, Danvers, Captain Marvel, outside. She's in space, and she's out there by the Alpha Flight space station. And they're like, what do you see out there? She sees nothing. Basically, no Earth is there. It's because,
0: from well, all these people on Earth think they don't know what's going on. Although Beast determines that the Earth has moved, it's not where it's supposed to be. He's determined that Carol's out in space, and she realizes the Earth and the Moon are gone.
1: Yeah, that page kind of like when you turn to it, and you see that panel, and like that could have been like a double page spread. I think like that would have been pretty huge to kind of take that impact. But they do capture it in the half page uh, panel there, with just showing her just kind of like uh yep there's yeah no earth no moon like you said um and then they start to kind of lose connection with uh with her out there and same thing with her to them uh almost kind of like that barrier and uh, uh, um the the last event the secret empire kind of like with being trapped out there yeah. like now she has a sense of being trapped yeah, again it's like I'm
0: always getting stuck <laughs> outside of things Just like
1: well, in a year, I'll show them, because my movie's coming out, and I'm going to be on Earth whether they Our want whole movie
0: it. Her movie's going to be her, trapped <laughs> off of the Earth.
1: But yeah, once again, we just kind of go through a montage, and it's just everybody around uh, the world basically just uh, uh, reacting to this and trying to save it and have a funny little Hercules moment with catching this uh the The world on that uh, that famous uh, statue. I can't think of the name of yeah, it. Atlas,
2: Atlas drops a yeah.
1: robe, and Hercules nice. catches it. So yeah.
2: Is, uh, <laughs> question about this Hercules: Is he the Hercules from mythology, or is this somebody who adopts the name?
1: This is
0: the Hercules from Marvel's version of it, the mythology, okay. just like a Thor, right? Right. right. In that sense, okay. Uh, um,
1: yeah,
0: and and yet he's completely different than. Um, The Hercules in DC's mythology, whereas Hercules over there isn't a hero.
1: Then we get uh, probably is what some important stuff that leads into the story is when we see uh, Jarvis and Nadia Pym. Uh, Nadia is the uh, daughter, long lost daughter of uh, Hank Pym from his first marriage, and in her book, The Unstoppable Wasp. Um, she was like a, a Red Room Russia experiment type of thing that she was able to escape. She's got the PIM particles and all that. And she's adopted, you know, a version of the, of the Wasp as well. And she's, you know, currently the Wasp. And her and Jarvis have been kind of, you know, their partners in her book there. And this is when we see their side of things, trying to help out people. And we see him caught in the rubble as, you know, even Jarvis, uh, full on in his suit and everything is not, uh, not taking any, uh, backseat to this, he jumps right into the foray and uh, helps saving people.
0: Right, he's he's acting as a hero here, and
1: uh,
0: I, it's too bad Kurt's dad's not here because um, being a longtime DC reader and being familiar with some old characters and whatever, uh, it I didn't even catch it at first, and then I saw it. the way that this kid that Jarvis is saving is dressed. Um, it's very um, Golden Age Starman okay. looking. Uh, we're at, at first you'd think, okay, you know, maybe he's uh a Captain America fan or something, but just the way that the color scheme and everything goes, uh, it actually reminds me a lot of Golden Age Starman from DC.
1: If anybody's a fan of uh web animated uh cartoons, um otherwise Homestar Runner could be he could be a fan of that. I don't know if anyone knows Homestar Runner. It's a very small group out there, but there's gotta be someone listening that knows what that is. Anyways, not important to the story, uh, Homestar Runner. But we jump in once again, going all around the world, seeing the other Avengers, uh, Avengers, and uh, certain seeing Rogue thrown in there, and Hawkeye, uh, Hawkeye, and Red Wolf over in New Mexico. I had found out that this is the guy that was uh, has been working in in his book, the Occupy Avengers
0: Avengers guys.
1: Because right away, I'm like, who's Red Wolf? And then, uh, in fact,
0: I think at the beginning of the book where they have some of the people listed. Uh, there's only two. Or is it at the, you, at, the you, at the end? Oh, it at the, yeah. at the end. You would think that there's only two members of the Occupy Avengers.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. Even though they put it at the end, normally it's at the beginning, and it probably could have serviced if it was at the beginning for this, but maybe for just reveal of who was all in this book. They probably didn't want to throw yeah. that up in front. In case
0: you weren't counting, we were. <laughs> here they are.
1: Yeah, then you get the uh, U.S. Avengers, and uh, got all these characters flying around. I was excited to see Squirrel Girl on the lenticular cover here um even though I haven't been following the US Avengers apparently that's where she's also been uh, participating there but uh once again just a bunch of world things going on and like I said it's just a whole montage but then it starts to kick off when we are in Rome and we see kind of like a, a shooting star or an asteroid something you know falling from the sky basically uh crashing into uh what the Colosseum there um, and then uh, a real important moment as we catch to and I know I'm going kind of fast on some of this stuff. It's mostly, a, it's a very visual, so for anyone who hasn't read this, you know, there's a lot to see from what we're not talking yeah. about as far as like seeing all like the destruction and who's helping and doing what.
0: Yeah, you're they're they're kind of slowly going through at this point and showing what various heroes, either as teams or as individuals, are doing around the world, uh, Cap in Washington DC, uh, Spidey in New York, Black Panther in Wakanda, Champions in Arizona, and they're, they're going through and they're giving you the locations, most of them being in the United States, uh, a few of them uh, in other places in the
1: world. Yeah, and at that moment is when we see something different happen in the book here as far as the attacks go when Captain America is frozen. Um, which is something he's very familiar with. Uh, yeah, he, I, he's been there before. But then yeah. we see a lot of other people frozen as well, like all the people you had just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not all of the Avengers, even though there's a great group of them, even cut to the e- X-Men. Even
0: in, some, even in some places where there's some together... Some, some them are, of them are frozen and some of them are not.
1: Yeah, like Red Hulk. There is just yeah. like wondering what happened with the rest of his teammates. And Human
0: Torch and the Janet Van Dyne version yeah. of the Wasp were working together, and all of a sudden she's frozen in midair. Uh, he notes that even her yeah. wings are frozen, and she's just sitting there in in air. So it's not like she was frozen and fell to the ground. She's actually still floating in air.
1: And one thing too, I was excited to see. Uh, just seeing where the x-men were here we see uh, what the gold team um, because a lot of times with the exception of Avengers versus x-men you know I guess I wasn't expecting to see uh, like Kitty Pride represented in here whether or not they're going to be you know part of the grand stories we go through or it's just showing everybody's affected
0: yeah I don't know if this is a way to dwindle down the cast and explain um, yeah why what- these Okay, why aren't the X Men involved? Well, it's because they're frozen, but um, but there are some characters that are frozen that you kind of almost expect to see in something like this, but most of them aren't active. Like even Cap, he's not currently an active Avenger. Even though they're calling in a lot of people who aren't currently active, he's not, and so maybe they've made the decision uh, based on what they're doing with Captain America in his own in his own book. They might think, well, it's too soon to bring him back into the Avengers. Yeah. So this might be, what we don't know why they're frozen yet, but this might be the way to explain why certain characters are not being used and utilized in this particular story.
1: And then we cut to uh, everybody being called to assemble. We just get a montage of all the people who aren't frozen, all of them looking at their their imaginary watches in some case maybe and everyone's just looking at their wrists basically uh, as they get calls uh, to assemble as they do um, we have everyone kind of standing there and uh, wasp is wondering uh, about Jarvis um, or I don't know if she had asked somebody's asking, but they bring that up where rogue is kind of standing kind of saying the world there's tons of people we can save you know Jarvis would want us to. To, you know, help them, you know, and not worry about him in a sense, but she she kind of takes a, a stance of uh, kind of prioritizing, you know, their loved ones in a way. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all called here, though, by one specific person, because we left out one of the most famous characters ever to be an Avengers uh, teammate here.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have yeah. an Avengers uh, event or non-event, if there's going to be one character yeah. you're going to call on, or be... in this case, the one that calls the to rest together, it's going to be this character.
1: Yeah, and we get that, of course, on the last page reveal. It's not Flint, who is the ad for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, because uh, that's what I thought it was, when you turn the page and then you see an ad. <laughs> we jump to the next page, but it's everybody's favorite Avenger that we all know just by looking at her there, uh, just standing there in front of the classic statue, which she is a part of, of course. and. We all know her name immediately because yes. she's so recognizable. Yeah,
0: one one of the original <laughs> Avengers. Uh, um, yeah,
1: yeah. This is the reason why this story exists. Uh, we are looking yeah, at a character. Kim and
0: Katie meanwhile are looking
1: at yeah. yeah. us like, just to it. Why because we, I do yeah. not know. Who's I guess character. we have to wait or till this, next week. Well, is uh, kind of exciting. Yeah, I'm
0: interested in
1: and that. we'll and we'll tease it for the next one here. But this is a character named Voyager. Now. Leading up to it, like they said, they were saying, Oh, I always knew it when we really needed you, you'd be back and she goes, Always. After all, you know what we say. Once an Avenger and you see her and it's that last page reveal, and normally it's reserved for like a hero that we haven't seen in a long time yeah. and
0: and, and which... they and they even have <laughs> the statues of the original Avengers um, behind them and she's there. So this character of Voyager at we've never seen this character before.
1: She's a character that is not part she's of the original Nick.
0: founding. She doesn't exist and all of a sudden she uh, is, is but and she's an original member and, uh, and all the characters. Everybody else recognizes her, but as readers but reader, we're did. like, wait a minute, did I we miss something? Okay. I when
1: I read this in the store, I showed Kurt, I'm just like, Who's this? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Well let's well, do a little research. Okay. The, so give- I don't feel so lost. the giveaway
0: the <laughs> giveaway yeah. the giveaway was actually her being with the original Avengers in the background, which I'm sure is why they threw that in. Because other otherwise, most people would be like, oh, this must be one of those other D-listers that I've you know, that I'm not familiar with. But it is in fact a character who has been created just for this story.
1: And apparently she made her debut a couple months ago because as doing research, she was in Marvel Legacy number one. Now <laughs> Very briefly, in a way, where we're seeing it right here. Um So after doing some research and hearing a lot of people talk, be like, oh, yeah, this is the character that was introduced in Legacy. I'm like, well, there's a lot going on in Legacy, so maybe I just don't remember. Yeah, it. so now I have to. I assumed, him. like Kurt's dad, he's got a pretty good memory for that kind of stuff, so I figured, oh, he would have remembered or something. But I did the research uh, ahead of time and pulled out the issue and flipped through it. I did a flip through once, I did not see her anywhere, I did a flip through twice, and that's when I saw where she was uh, made her first cameo, which I will get the page here in a second. We have about halfway through the Legacy number 1 issue, uh, where Jarvis is kind of looking in, he's at the Avengers Mansion, Nadia Pym is there, and he goes... Uh, it's the strangest thing, Nadia. I know every brick and stone of this old place from good memories to bad, and yet have you ever felt of some part of your surroundings some insignificant detail is just wrong? She goes, I can't say I have. He goes, Ah, well, uh I believe the French oh Jean vous I believe the French call it, however that is. He goes, just a trick of the mind, I suppose, after all. Everything should everything's just as it should be. And he walks away after looking at the statue, which has this and voyager character. If, if you character. weren't paying
0: close attention, but I do, uh, I do remember catching that. But it's been a while, and there's so much going on in there that I completely forgot about that until seeing that panel right now and going, oh yeah.
1: And this is what I thought when I saw that. I passed by like no other because I'm like, oh, there's the Avengers and and the one founding member uh, female that was in that team. But I'm like, when I look back, I'm like, wait, that's not Wasp. Which makes me question, and maybe this is part of some sort of mystery, but wasp isn't in there uh, unless she's in wasp form and hiding yeah well that's
0: that that's what I was thinking is
1: that ant man uh, is presented as giant man uh in this in this version here, you know just standing right, so it's over possible Hulk. that
0: wasp is um, Tiny in there somewhere, but standing on somebody's shoulder that you can't see. But
1: looking back at it and thinking back when I read this a couple months ago, figuring that was probably Wasp, because it's far enough away and you wouldn't really read into it at all. And plus, Wasp has had so many
0: different costumes over the years that um, you might have missed one look that she had.
1: Yeah. So anyways, going back to the end of Avengers 675, uh, I left uh, with this uh, interesting little uh, moment here which uh, is going to be revealed in next week's issue. Um, This is going to be the weekly event uh, for the next 15 weeks on top of this one here. Um, And they've said that everything about Voyager's origin is going to be explained in issue two uh, of No Surrender. Um, And the cover, and I think there's a picture in here, maybe it was just in the, yeah it is. So when you look to the back, I remember seeing this cover uh, uh, months ago. It's somebody over the stack of their comic books there holding a copy of Avengers number one, but it has Voyager on it now. No, it does have Wasp also though. She she is on there too. Yeah. Um but yeah, looking back at it like two months ago when this is in the pre orders, because uh, that's what the cover of the next issue is going to be, is looking at somebody looking at their cover of Avengers number one and seeing her retroactively thrown in there, but um, there's a lot of theories out there. I'm not gonna dive into like what people are saying. Like, oh, is she this? Is she that? Is she this person? Whatever. Or she could be a brand new character that, by some mysterious happening, she's a part of the team and embedded in their memories.
2: Um, it's such a good cover too, because I thought that was a photograph at first.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all drawn. I already told. I already. I already told Kurt on Wednesday. Yeah, it's it's yeah, lifelike that's how I remember seeing that. I was kind of confused if that was the cover or not and what it was. I already told uh, Kurt for next Wednesday that he's got to take a picture of me oh, over the shoulder holding this issue, which has a cover so we can have like an Inception moment kind of going on there. So uh, You can stand over our back issue box. There we go. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, I was greeted with a, a poster, which I know he, uh, there's some of them. I don't know how many you got there, but it was a a poster of that, of the classic Avengers number one with her on it as well. So that I know they had sent the posters out. I don't know if you saw those because you were in after the delivery and stuff. But yeah. So it's kind of crazy, like all of this stuff that was kind of thrown in there. And I always try to avoid the, uh, the previews and things like that. I always... Or- order the issues, but I don't always read into it because, like, well, I'm following the story, so... But if I would have, like, dissected this, I would have maybe looked at it and just been like, okay, who's this person on that classic cover that wasn't there? But So, yeah, if that is not a sell for uh, anyone to check out the remaining uh, 15 issues as part of this weekly event, then... Okay, I do have one more yes. question.
2: As somebody who's not a big Marvel guy and hasn't been reading Avengers... Um, Where's Iron Man? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well,
0: that's a good question Same. because go. uh, and, and I don't know how this will play out versus what's going on in the Iron Man books. If we'll end up seeing Iron Man at some time joining into this or not.
1: So yeah, I've been uh, reading his title for uh, continuously for the last couple of years, and um, at the end of Civil War Two, he's uh, a casualty. He's thrown into a coma. And, uh, you kind of left, to kind of guess like what happened to him? Did he die? What happened? You know, and obviously he's Iron Man is the star of all the movies. So obviously he's <laughs> not going to be gone for too long, but writer Brian Michael Bendis has been writing him for quite a while. And then they introduced, uh, Riri Williams throughout his series, which is a young MIT student who, uh, was gifted with all of the Stark technology, uh, from Tony. Cause Tony saw the, uh, the potential in her as a, a young student in college at the only you know, she was fifteen and she was at MIT. Um so in his book, The Invincible Iron Man, he's been uh he's been there as a, I'll say a force ghost in a way to kind of speed through he he's yeah. a he, he created all of his memories and put it into this that he was in the uh last year's event the uh, Secret Empire. Yeah, he was a an active and member. They,
0: they had Tony Stark. The Tony Stark AI was um, very active in that storyline.
1: And yeah, so he he was in there, and in in the book right now, it was it's still dealing with uh, where Tony is. So in Invincible Iron Man, apparently his body went missing in the current issues. Oh. So he was you know under watch, and they kept him. You know he's in a coma. They don't know what's going on. But in the last couple of months, his body went missing, and they're wondering where it went. And apparently the uh, Tony AI, um, I, th- I think he had said it at the end of the last issue, where he's like, well, I know where he is. And they're like, this whole time, like we've been working with you for a year, at least for the reader's uh, sake, for a year, that you've never said anything. And he just goes, he's like, well, nobody asked. Hmm. So that's where they last left us. So even, that was a great question, because... You know, you're wondering, well, yeah. So that's kind of what's happening in that uh, in that world there. And I don't think maybe we saw Odin's son in there because we saw I think we saw Jane in there.
0: We saw Jane, but I don't recall seeing uh, the other Thor,
1: X Thor, real Thor, Um, unworthy Thor. Yeah. But yeah, um, were there any other questions related to uh, just characters and things like that? Well, my my
0: only question in there. Because I'm them not familiar of... with, with some of them, but it would be to the, the U.S. Avengers. Uh, one thing that threw me off, because some of these characters I'm very familiar with and others I'm only sort of familiar with, you got Red Hulk in there. Yeah. Now, I know from the Hulk stuff that, uh, you know, Red Hulk's identity initially was a mystery, and you found out that it was uh, General Ross was Red Hulk. So I'm looking through this. Now, mind you, Red Hulk now actually looks... Even more like him because Red Hulk's got a mustache. He 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 like lost the mustache when he was Red Hulk, but now he's got a back and everything, and he looks kind of like a cross between Red Hulk and General Ross. And you look at the little circle on the back with the Red Hulk, and what caught my eye was it says his name is General Robert L. Maverick.
1: Yeah, I. And so that's one thing I don't know either.
0: Is they're a new Red Hulk because this is a different guy, but he's still a general. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, so that that one's a mystery. on myself, I haven't read any uh, U.S. Avengers at all. I think I maybe read one issue that was a tie in to something else, but uh, but yeah, there are you know a great cast of characters that uh, you know aren't your you know most famous ones there, but that'll be interesting to see uh, as we go forward here and uh, how big of a role they're meant to play in this big earth shattering event, you know, but. I was very entertained by it, and especially with that mystery, because it just left me with turning that page, just being, all right, it's going to be huge, and then it was just like, what? But in the same sense, that was, it makes me want the next one. So, so they're doing something. Yeah, I I but... don't
0: know what they're going to do with this new uh, Voyager character. It makes me think of back in uh, the the '90s when the Justice League. And I'm trying to think of his name. They had kind of retconned in this new character that they made up just for the storyline whatever, and uh, went, yep, he was a founding member of the <laughs> Justice League, even though nobody remembers it. Even the Justice League doesn't remember him. Something happened, I can't even remember the story. Um, but they introduced this character that supposedly had been one of the founding members of the Justice League, and uh, they were trying to like create this new character and uh, push him in there and be like, yeah, he's been around forever. And it didn't take off, and eventually they got rid of the character and, and everything else. But that's what that made me think of, was this uh, DC character that they did in, in in that kind of way.
1: And that made me think of, if you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy and Dawn. It's basically that situation. For anyone <laughs> listening, that's what we're dealing with. I've so. always had a sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I like that uh, little reveal there, and I'm excited for the next one, so... And just looking at these character sheet, um, one
2: I just I noticed when I was flipping through it again, missing in this character sheet is Doctor Strange. Yeah. He did appear in one of the panels in the book, though.
1: Did he get frozen? Because I I happen to notice that too. Because I don't think any of the frozen people are on these panels. Well, that's not true. No. Because Spider Man is. Oh yes. And Spider Man. Miles is or Peter. Peter. Okay.
0: Um, Maybe just. Yeah. So.
1: Maybe just because he didn't fit into because. These are typically But they but active, they also yeah well, they have because affiliates. like they don't
0: have uh yeah, laser, Cap- formerly living Laser, who yeah. we mentioned uh who kicked off the book. Okay. He's not listed on here either. They just ran out of space. But does he
2: actually appear?
0: Um yeah, so so I think they're just showing the current lineups of the Avengers. Or the
2: ones that will have an impact in the story somehow.
0: Well, actually, they do have Lightning down at the bottom under lightning, unaffiliated. Yeah, but living Laser. Because have, well. cause, or light, did I say Living Laser? I yeah, meant Lightning. Yeah. See? That's why he dropped Living off of there. People confused him <laughs> right. too. Uh, but yeah, under unaffiliated, they do have Lightning, Jarvis, uh, Captain Marvel, Captain America, and Black Panther, who are uh, all in there too. So yeah, it's it's not a complete list, apparently.
1: Maybe we'll get the complete list next week. <laughs> all right, over 16 weeks we'll show you all everybody. Everyone's gonna get their character card. So Alright, yeah, I think that'll wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it up for Avengers number 675. Moving over to the Phoenix Resurrection.
0: Yeah, Phoenix Phoenix Resurrection um wasn't an official club pick, but it's kind of become that we've just yeah. started mm-hmm. talking about it and treating it like it is. Uh so while the last couple issues have been talked about in the non-spoiler section, we thought, now we're we're into issue three, we'll really get into it, and we'll, uh, therefore, be talking a few spoilers and everything, um, so we can stop beating around the bush, which we've done over the last couple of issues. Um, so, a uh, little, little backstory into the Phoenix Resurrection. What we've been seeing is... Um, uh, just like we've talked about in the last couple of times. Um, there are all these different events happening, um, people seeing this fiery Phoenix up in the sky, uh, a lot of the psychic-powered mutants have gone missing, um, and all the X-Men are, are joined together trying to figure out what's going on. You can tell, nobody's come out and saying, is Phoenix back, is Jean Grey back? um, until, I think until this issue. Um, but you can tell that that's what they think is going on. Nobody, nobody wants to come out and say it. Well, that changes in, uh, in issue three where they finally say it and not only say that they think that's what it is, but actually come out and say the Phoenix is back, Jean Grey is back. Um, so we, we start off with, Jean, there's been a little confusion, I think. You know, we haven't been certain what's going on with Jean. She seems like she's back and living in some little town, working at some diner, um, with no memory of uh, who she really is, but hinting that she, you know, like she's been around for a while. Um, And they keep revealing all these other people who are, most most of them are X-Men that are now also gone. They're dead. Um, so we've been thinking, okay, well, she's not the only one that's resurrected, but as we get through the story a little bit, they're almost making it like what we're seeing, this little town and everything might not be, uh, reality. So I'm not sure, uh, the extent of, you know, like, are these people really back? Are they just, is this going on in some sort of, uh, mental construct, uh, world of Jean Grey's now that she's back in trying to I don't know somehow cope with her uh, being back or, or what and we start off and she's having this dream which she's been doing and uh, some of these memories come back to her is, in, in dreams and little flashbacks and so she's kind of remembering that time that she had to pilot the, uh, the space shuttle and yeah. um, and when she initially got the Phoenix Powers, and then she wakes up and she finds out that there was just some accident, she slipped on the floor or or, or something um and yeah, it there's was, just it a was bunch of just like Sprite
1: bottles like laying around or something champagne or something so
0: yeah, um and she has to rush off and actually i you know sometimes you have to look at people and go, "Wait a minute, are these all people that we know?" Um, because I didn't catch this. And if you look at the people that are gathered around her, there's a woman with purple hair who could be Psylocke All right. right there, okay, who's still alive, okay, uh, a couple other people I'm not real sure about. There's one person that I almost thought Legion, the hair's almost almost okay. right. I can see that. I can see that. Um, so it's, it's hard to tell who some of these people are, um...
1: And everybody knows, because everyone keeps saying Jean, so like, all these people... Yeah, like, all look, know, the
0: whole town knows her.
1: Yeah, you know, even though she's in a supermarket, she's worked at the diner in the last couple of issues and stuff like that, but it seems, yeah, it seems like everybody knows her name, like she's like a Cheers comic or something.
0: In fact, the, uh, the, the older guy that's uh, holding her hand in, the, in this one panel, um, I can't think of his name, from their days in Australia... He was the guy that could teleport them places. this and is where, was making me wonder if that's who that this is. This is where
1: Kurt's dad would have yeah, said that. Yeah, that's where he
0: jump in and say the name. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so as we get further and further into this and they start showing people who clearly aren't resurrected people, I'm wondering if any of these people are really back. Hmm. Uh, people that they, they've shown in the last few issues, um, like uh, uh, Multiple Man and uh, stuff like that. Are they actually resurrected, or is this all just in her mind? Um, Because we were thinking some of the characters that they've shown, and again, he's mentioned here, Scott Summers. uh, In this town, he's her boyfriend. So the initial reaction is, oh, they've resurrected Cyclops um, after recently killing him off. But this really calls into question, like, okay, are these people actually resurrected? or, you know, what's going on here. Um, and we flip through and we start to get into some of the locations. Uh, Jamaica Bay, New York, that's one of the locations that in, uh, I think uh, the last yeah. issue um, the X-Men had split up into groups. Jamaica Bay is one of the locations that uh, that they went to. I believe Jamaica Bay is where they found um, I think that's where they found Jean Grey and the Cocoon.
1: Yeah, when they first so. brought her
0: back, when when they resurrected her the first time, um, and so you got a couple of people out uh, fishing in a boat, and they're interrupted by flames bursting out of the water.
1: I do want to make a, a call out because you have uh, what I think is a father and a son, and one of my favorite lines was like seeing the. The fiery, you know, in the middle of the of the lake there, and you just see, Dad, I don't think I like fishing. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So that was cute. Uh,
2: uh,
0: so you end up with all kinds of uh, events like this going on inside, and then you go back to to her. She's running out of the uh, the store where she worked. Um, you've got another person out in. Uh, uh, out in the parking lot, and I'm not sure, but uh, my thought on this was because uh, they've they've shown him a few different ways. But uh, any of you familiar with the character Calabac uh, in the X-Men? No. My thought was him because they've shown him a few ways. They he's been big and bulky. He's been kind of scrawny and whatever. And this uh, reminded me of him. But I think it's definitely a mutant if you look at the the skin color and and everything. He's got no eyebrows and everything. But the way he's drawn, it's definitely uh, somebody that we know if we're longtime X Men uh, readers. And once again,
1: somebody who also knows her name that was outside of the store putting his card away, and it just every you know everybody knows Jean. Yeah, so. you okay, Miss Jean?
0: <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, then we kind of cut to I guess our, our real time, if you will, or yeah, the meanwhile, real, the
0: real world. Um, and then we're, uh, we're in a cemetery in upstate New York, uh, and you've got one of the groups that have broken off and are, um, uh, investigating things, but they're now investigating, um, Jean Grey's grave because they want to, uh, as I said, you know, they're They've suspected it, but nobody said up until this point they think that they're back, but here they are. Clearly they suspect that it might be her because uh, now they've dug up her grave to find that there's no corpse in the casket.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh alludes to the, the main cover of the book. I know there's some variant covers out there and whatever, but uh, yes. that was the kind of thing that, yeah. So once I saw they're at the cemetery, I'm like, oh boy, here we go, and that's kind of what it yeah. kickstarts, you know, a, a story that we're you know, just over halfway through now. Um, okay,
0: so they uncover
1: that and then we're
0: back to Jean Grey in her little fantasy world where, uh, she's, uh, getting her car repaired by, uh, by a mechanic by the name of Patch. Yes. uh, Who, uh, people will clearly recognize right, you know, right away as being, uh, Wolverine from his days, you know, his, uh, his disguise and his Mad Ripper days, uh, where he the put the eye patch out. on and be Patch.
1: Yeah, Logan um, Auto as well. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah, yeah. Patch was yeah like an identity that yeah he had he had used. Yeah, back in the yeah. Day. It, was,
0: it was a great disguise. Nobody would ever recognize him because he
2: was wearing. <laughs> I a thought eye it was patch. I thought it was
1: Nick Fury the whole time, but I had
2: to. <laughs> a pair of glasses can hide Superman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs>
0: You know, so so they're talking, and, you know, it kind of goes back to, they even threw a little bit of that uh, uh, Wolverine's attracted to Jean Grey in there, you know, where, where he tells <laughs> her, you want my advice? You know, because she's all stressed out and whatever, having a bad day. Uh, you want my advice? Not really. <laughs> a stiff drink or a stiff man, that'll cure your bad day. I can help. Oh. You know? Uh, but, uh and then, uh, yeah, she she kind of telekinetically knocks it back. He gets hit in the shoulder, stabbed in the shoulder with a screwdriver, and then he's like instantly
1: healed. Um. But what's interesting is the the confusion in that because he keeps talking about it being an earthquake. She's like, "Oh my God, I did that!" And he's like, "Well, you can't take credit for that earthquake." Right. So there there's some confusion on what's going on because she you know she knew she did that, but then. You know, but he says, yeah, it's,
0: yeah, he says, oh, it's an earthquake. Like, he's justifying it like, no, it's not you, it's an earthquake. And then when his uh, his wound from the screwdriver is all better, you know, it's magically healed up, he's not surprised by that at all.
1: And then we have uh, the X-Men who have decided that uh, they needed help and basically uh, what they were looking for, a psychic, I think that was the yeah, the, the, the main s- goal. Because all the psychics went missing in Jean Grey's original series, the ongoing series at the moment.
0: Right, and that kind of was the, I, I guess, the important tie-in there. Uh, initially, we we had a feeling that there was going to be some important thing from, from that uh, issue of, of Jean Grey, and uh, it's it seemed less important, and yet it does explain that all these psychics are missing. Um, now, I'm not sure, because... W- was was Emma with them? I don't even
1: remember. She was in that book there, but um, I don't remember exactly where she ended up. Uh,
0: right. So, so I'm not sure if that has happened or if that's going on at the same time as this.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I have to uh, flip back and revisit that other one. So,
0: okay. So now they're they're in London. They're trying to either convince, uh, Emma Frost, who's like the last, uh, psychic that they can find left. They, they want her, uh, to use Cerebro to locate Jean Grey. Um, she says she's already aware that she's returned. Um, and she doesn't need Cerebro to find Jean, uh, because she knows where she is. Uh, It's a Kind of an interesting way to know where she is, and she's very sure about it. Um, where she says, uh, Precious Jean is in New Mexico. And Old man Logan asks, How would you know that? And her explanation is, Sometimes, not often, but sometimes, when Scott and I were being intimate, his mind would drift, he'd think about her. There, on that plateau... It would just be a moment, maybe, but it happened. And she says, if that place meant half as much to Jean as it did to him, that's where she'll be. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Jean is confronted by um, the Phoenix. Not the dark Phoenix. This is the Phoenix in the green and uh, yellow costume. Um,
1: Who says, "I, I thought it was time we talked so yeah in gene gray's solo title we've had the young gene gray who is displaced <laughs> out of time um being kind of haunted by the the deceased gene gray through like a ghostly vision type of thing and now we have this maybe other dimension or inner you know monologue type of gene gray now finally you know coming coming together here so I think we're going to get a lot of answers in the in the next one, probably.
0: Well, I hope so because this raises a <laughs> lot of questions, yeah, I um, and I think uh, I think where it ends up is, yeah, it's uh, with the, uh, I more combined a group of X Men again, and they have arrived in New Mexico on the plateau that uh, Emma Frost had uh, told them about, and uh, you know they get there and there's nothing there. And then uh, Magic pulls off, out her her sword and hacks into the air and unveils um, Ta-da! whatever it is that she unveils. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's like some, some weird dome thing. And just as they're trying to figure out what to do, a door opens in it. Um, you know, where you get uh, Iceman. He says, well, that was ominous. Now what? <laughs> and Beast's response is, Now we go through the door into the great unknown, Bobby. And that is where we leave. So I would assume the next issue will see the X-Men going into Gene's little world and uh, figure out maybe what this world
1: actually is and, and
0: what all these different things that we've been seeing in it means to us.
1: And even though this is billed as like a weekly event, apparently just maybe due to the scheduling, it, the next one's going to be in two weeks. So if anyone wanted to jump in, you kind of got your uh, your uh, information there. You can go back and check out the issues and uh, read the rest for yourself too. But in two weeks, we're going to get number four of five. And then we're getting the wrap-up in Gene Grey number 11. So, But yeah, we're at the halfway point here. And uh, some stuff's going to happen. And then you have a coincidental ad for X-Men Red.
0: Yeah, yeah. With a... Which which has been all over the place, but uh you know, we know that clearly Jean does come back because she's starring in a new X-Men hmm. book.
1: All right. So, anything else before we move on?
0: No, I think that'll uh wrap it up for the non-spoiler section
1: or for the spoiler section. Or for the spoiler section <laughs> <laughs> yep. so that
0: we can move in. Move into the non-spoilers. Yeah, into the living lightning... Wait, no, I confused those two.
1: (laughs) Now that we're in the non-spoilers segment of the podcast... Is that what this is? This is the non. Um, One of the books that I've really been digging uh, from the team of Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. Jonathan Luna um, came from the team with his brother called the Luna Brothers. They have some of their comics... uh, (laughs) Yeah, very creative name there, but they have very creative comics that they create. Um, They have a comic series, all limited series, one called Ultra, one The Sword, another one is called Girls, and uh, they've done some work on the Spider-Woman series for Marvel as well, but I think they're more famous for their independent work. And then you have Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn, who a year or two ago did Alex and Ada. Um, for image comics which uh became a huge hit. So this creative team has returned. Uh this is the start of the second and last arc and what's interesting about the like, Jonathan Luna and his work that he always has this uh goal set in mind. He knows how many issues is going it's not like hey we're doing an ongoing until all right we're tired or we're canceled and sales whatever uh so every time they announce like oh this series is only going to be 15 issues or this and that it's always kind of a bummer just because they're always so good you want more but also at the same time they know what they're doing when they're pitching the book being this is the story the end so they don't kind of like milk it out being like all right we can Everyone's buying this book, so we have to now do this for the next 10 years or so. Um, Eternal Empire, the cell on issue one, is simply, The Eternal Empress has waged war against the countries of Saya for over 100 years, and now her sights are set on the last country standing. Within the brutal empire's workforce, a young woman receives strange visions that give her the courage to escape her fate or run straight toward it. This is a fantasy title, it has a lot of Game of Thrones type of vibes to it, not just because there's dragons on this cover, um, but dragons became a big part of this issue here. But yeah, you have these two, the main series here is built around these two people, male and a female, who are basically slave workers in like a desert type, and I think there's some like snow type territories too, basically opposite ends of the spectrum but they have this vision connection with each other, and they kind of see each other and feel each other and kind of see what the other one's seeing and so forth, and they're eventually uh, meeting up to figure out what this connection means and what it means to the overall story, and you have this uh, this uh, empress uh, that's kind of just waging war through all these uh, countries and stuff like that, and, and they're kind of... Seeing that there might be some abilities that can help them put an end to this, you know, century long rule. So, uh, but yeah, um, that's the sell on it. It's issue six right now. Seems like it's going to go for another six or so. Um, so, it's, there might be a trade on the way too for the first arc here, but just giving some uh, mention to that. So, Eternal Empress, so uh, I think if, or Empire. There was another series called Empress that
0: was... Yeah, out. you get those two
1: confused. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you're a fan of uh, fantasy and Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones type of work, then this book might be interesting to you. Like the dragon portrayals on the cover. Yeah, yeah, and this uh, this art style, because uh, uh, Sarah Vaughn and Jonathan are co-writers in the book and the Luna Brothers. And this is the one thing, and some people could see this as a, maybe a criticism of sorts, where... You look at all of the characters, all of the, the humans that are drawn by the Luna Brothers. Um, you know it's a Luna Brothers book, not only with the uh, black page uh, layouts. Uh, that's something that's a theme that they have in all their series, which, by the way, have no connection. They're all just separate stories. But just when you look at how their their faces are drawn, it's some, it's a style you immediately know being like, Kind of like you look at like an Alex Ross cover where you're like, that's Alex Ross. You look at this and you know that it's a, it's a Luna brother creation. But uh, over the last uh, couple of years, even though they've been working with each other for like 10 or 15, maybe more years, uh, they decided to part ways temporarily, not because of they're mad at each other, but because they've worked together so long. So they have kind of seeking their other projects and have said, oh, we'll definitely work together again, but we're just kind of seeing what else we can do.
0: Uh, they got some disagreement over Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah.
1: But uh but yeah, so if you're a fan of the Luna brothers, it's a book that you're probably picking up already, but if you're not, maybe this will be a a start. I met uh Jonathan Luna. Um he gave me a free uh sketch mm-hmm. of the Ada character from Alex and Ada because I was first in his line at a at a, a rare signing cuz he never shows up at like Comic-Cons or anything like that. So he had one rare signing. In Chicago, and I was there first in line just because I was excited to meet him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, people first in line at all these are getting free sketches." I'm nice. like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I already showed up first in line. But, uh, but yeah, I talked to him about all of his creations and just every, he's one of those creators like a Mark Miller or a Dan Slott, a Joss Whedon, where I see these names and I'm like, no matter what they're putting out, it's on the pull list. So anything Luna related. So that's that. Um, did you want to talk about uh coyotes number three
2: yes i've read I've been reading the Coyotes series, and I believe I talked about number two before I read it. Um, this series is the drama is great. It builds up incredibly and it leaves you with a big uh cliffhanger at the end of each book so far. Um, And they quickly come in and answer your questions, but build up a whole new set of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, this is not a book for (laughs) kids. This is a mature audience book. Um, But the themes of this organization of women, this um, city of lost girls, and the police investigating, and this um, company that originally seemed like a nuisance to this desert community... Is now becoming a major player in the drama that's occurring um, around here, and um, trying not to spoil it too much, but um, it is becoming uh, uh, the primal forces of nature are being abused by this company to for their own profits. And, um, these girls, the main character is, at the beginning of the book, she is at odds between the force of women that is trying to control what's going on, and, um, she feels that they have, um, taken her sister from her, and now she finds out that there is something even more going on, and they're going to after this company now, so, mm-hmm. it is really, uh, how is that? How are they doing this? What's going on? I can't wait for the next one. You know, so they just build up, and the characters characters are um, the the main girl, um, Red, and the detective, Coffee, are um, oddly put together. It's not like a pair you'd think, but they're you know, t- you know, they're the ones investigating this big mystery, supernatural mystery that's happening.
1: Yeah, I've been digging the book as well. Yeah. So,
2: it's I've been very happy with, you know, a, more or less a random cover pick, you know, and <laughs> been very happy with this story.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of sell for me too. Just looking at the cover art for that first issue, and just seeing it out on the shelves, and be like, oh, I'll try it out. And said, "It Im, image, yep, Image yes. Comics release." Yeah. And,
0: and that's I've I've said before, like covers are so important to a book. Um, and a lot of times i 'll see covers on comics, especially uh the more mainstream you know marvel books or d c books or something like that, where they have covers that kind of if I wasn 't already reading that there 's no way that I would yeah. pick it up um, and i i just i don't understand that I think even if something's uh more popular and everything you still want a cover that's going to sell because there's still people that haven't picked it up yet. And that might be somebody's first time to a comic shop or you know something like that and that's the issue that's sticking out on the rack. Um you know that's it's either going to sell your book or it's not going to sell your book. Um you know I, so I think even if something's been been around for years and years and years and it's a popular book, you know you should still try to get those those good covers that are going to pull people in and get them to grab something off the rack that they wouldn't have grabbed otherwise.
2: In general, the art style is not my favorite. It's it's okay, it's not a bad. Um, I prefer a little bit more realism in the character drawings. Um, these were these are very, a little bit more character, you know, um, and like on this cover, it shows three older women, kind of like witch types, and they're very, you know, a little bit mum on the Stretched from realism into more character, you know. Yeah, I, I can
0: see that. If it
2: weren't for the coloring and everything,
0: if you looked at it just yeah. in the drawing style, you could totally see that as being like a caricature, like I don't know, one of those stands of like uh, Six Flags yeah. or something like that, where
1: where you get that done.
2: But in general, it's you know, it's not um, distracting or everything. It's just not my preferred, you
1: know. And then that gives a lot of credit to the writing and stuff too for a series that you're really into. You're drawn in by something that you're not normally drawn into, pun intended.
0: And of course, you know when it comes to art too. I and mean, there's probably a lot of people that would pick that up because of the art. You know, just because they, sure. they like something that's a little bit
2: different. And I've been I've been finding different things that I wouldn't wouldn't care for originally that I'm starting to like. Um, a series that I'm started following um, recently the last few months is um, Harrow County, hmm. and the art in there is all watercolor, and that was something that I never cared for as a art style, and you know, even in wall hanging paintings, you know, it's not t- generally what I like, but the art, watercolor fits the tone of that story so well, um, that I've been enjoying that art in that book. <laughs>
1: And another one with watercolors was The Grass Kings. I know we talked about that one before we talked about the watercoloring, but Grass Kings is another book um, that has that where it works for that tone of books. So.
0: It's also the first book that ever mentioned,
1: Crimson Call. That's cool. right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when you look in the back of the, the Grass Kings books, you'll see, like, store listings and stuff. So. Nice. Cool. Um, and then this is a great segue because you were talking about covers and what sells a cover. What sold the cover for me, uh, and it has been, whenever I buy Wonder Woman, I get the variant cover, or cover B, if you will, which is uh, done by Jenny Frizen. It's Frizen like prison. That's how she, because it looks like Freeze-On or something. Yeah. Um, she's the cover artist for uh, the Revival series that I talked about last week on the podcast and uh, the series that's based in Wisconsin. Um, she's done a lot of covers for like Buffy and Angel uh, related stuff as well. Uh, she's traditionally a cover artist in the business and she's done a lot of, you know, a lot of different companies and stuff. So she'll have the independent work. She'll have the main, you know, big two work as well. So Wonder Woman number 38 is what I'm talking about. Um, it's basically a story about a girl named Vanessa who is Wonder Woman's best friend. Now going into this, I have no idea what any of that (laughs) meant. And it's very interesting. You see a story from the past in which uh, Wonder Woman is stopping a bank robbery. And there was somebody, uh, uh, some citizens that were within the vicinity, um, a girl that was injured. And you see the relationship of what Wonder Woman does with the people that she saves, where it just doesn't end there at the crime scene where, hey, everybody saved, all right, let's get your photo ops and all that stuff, sign your autographs, and then I'm off to save the world again. Half of this story is about Wonder Woman going that extra length and following up with this young girl, Vanessa, and showing up at her hospital and stuff like that and just uh, making sure she's all right beyond the initial saving and really building a relationship. and, And one cool moment that was in here when Vanessa is narrating this, talking about her friendship with Diana, is saying that Right away, Wonder Woman told her to call her Diana. So that kind of, you know, was a cool little connection. So I didn't really know where this book was going because half of it was this real touching story about someone you've never met. It's just about a a girl who was saved by Wonder Woman. And the second half of the story is left for people that are interested in reading, in which how that young girl um, has a connection later in life dealing with Wonder Woman.
0: And uh, without really giving anything away, I will say. Um I haven't read this, but it's one of those that I just know what's <laughs> what's going on. Um You're this is DC in this book is uh kind of reintroducing or reestablishing a uh kind of a classic character um that's brought back in this
1: issue. It's a rebirth. Yeah it's a, it's a rebirth
0: of of a, uh, a character you know from the pages
2: of, uh, of older Wonder Woman stories. This one, one of the characters filling in from the missing years, kind of thing, like a return of Wally West, ish.
0: Um, I don't know. Well, some of the the flashback stuff certainly could could be a little bit of fill and stuff, but oh. it, but but they're not doing it in a way where they're saying this, and that's yeah. actually interesting, because they're not doing a thing where they're saying, uh, like, this happened, you just didn't remember it. Which they've done in some of the other, uh, uh, Rebirth uh, titles or, uh, or stories. Um, they're not reintroducing a character as though this character has been around, and they're just using this character for the first time in Rebirth. They're real. they're like doing a new origin, you know full-on kind of a a reboot of this character
1: yeah so that one has uh, really surprised me in that sense Uh, that was a very good issue that was wonder woman number 38 and then the last thing if no one else has anything else to throw into the non-spoilers real quick old man hawkeye number one so over 10 years ago old man logan was a story that took place 50 years in an alternate future in which all of the heroes had died, except for a very small few, including Clint Barton Hawkeye and Logan Wolverine, in which they, uh, Wolverine had said, I'm not popping my claws anymore, I'm done, all the heroes are gone, I've got this family, I'm abiding by the rules, their Their territories are ruled by the Hulk Gang, which was the Bruce Banner the Hulk's grandchildren, I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's like one, one of the more disturbing things <laughs> that, uh, in current comics... Continuity was the.
1: They're hillbilly Hulks, basically. Yeah, yeah they're.
0: they're to get Hulk and She Hulk, wow. his cousin, have this whole brood of Hulk babies that, <laughs> that turn into this Hulk gang
1: um so yeah uh old man logan was a great uh like eight issue limited series that uh it was an instant classic which 10 years later was the inspiration for the logan movie that came out uh, last year almost a year ago from this time um and then in the last year or so they decided to bring back i think two years ago old man logan into a, a new series in which through the secret wars uh they told some stories, some lost tales of old man Logan, but then something happened where he the, the you know the earth the earth's merged, he basically got into our current universe. So old man Logan's been living in a world where the current younger version of himself is deceased. And going back to Jean Gray, what's interesting because Jean lives in a world where the older present self of her is deceased, but the younger version is From the past, and he's from the future, and it they had a very like touching moment within their books. I think it might have been an extraordinary X Men, in which they're both kind of reflecting, like you know, because she didn't know much about him, but you know he knew everything about her, and you know he's from a future, she's from a past, and they're in the present. That's your setup for Old Man Hawkeye, because Clint Barton Hawkeye was somebody who helped out Logan as it was basically a road trip across America. In the original Old Man Logan series, now this is a prequel to that old original Old Man Logan in the sense that this is uh, before Clint Barton is going to be uh, eventually blind. So you have the Archer in the original series that you know as he got older he started to get blind and uh, traveling across America with Logan. This is a new 12 issue mini series that leads into that original Old Man Logan. So that was a lot of information, but that kind of put everything in the timeline on if you're interested in reading any of that stuff there. But um, this ha- captures the feel of that original Old Man Logan. I dig the new, current Old Man Logan as well, but uh, this Hawkeye going back to that time uh, really did capture uh, you know, not only with the art style, but just the, the writing and just the tone of everything. It's Clint Barton wanting to recruit Old Man Logan to fight the good fight and uh, beat all the bad guys, in which all the bad guys, all the supervillains, own all these territories and stuff like that. Um, So this is uh, Barton wanting to team up with Logan, but Logan may have other things in mind in his life. Um, Yeah, and to sell you on the original Old Man Logan series, there was a venom-infested T-Rex. Oh, wow. So that's a vision to see Um, So yeah Anyways I love all the old man Logan uh, World and series and stories And you see an old lady Claire Temple in this story uh, Which makes me want an old lady Temple story too So, Basically anytime they'll put Old uh, Male or female And then the Marvel character I'm probably going to buy the title Because they built this fun little universe So
0: or they could do like a team title and just be old people <laughs> Avengers or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: With one of our classic uh, Avengers, uh, Voyager. It could be old lady Voyager. <laughs> yeah, yes, great. we have so many stories with her. So.
0: I mean, yeah. You might as well include one of the originals. Yeah. Of
1: and that will wrap it up for the non-spoiler. Ex- the geriatric <laughs> Oh, nice. Uh, sold. I'll pre-order. It. Let's do it.
0: And now the news okay so uh, some exciting news in uh terms of comic book movies um yeah recently uh we're, we're finding some information uh that uh finally we've got a, uh, a black widow movie in the Yay. works uh, black okay. widow Solo soul movie, the uh, last thing that I'd seen on it um was Scarlett Johansson was going to meet with the writer on it. So um so yeah, that's a thing now, which is how many years yeah. overdue uh people right, Almost right, ten. right, you know, like right from the get-go have, have been um shouting for uh, a black widow movie and thinking, "Oh, it's totally unfair that this character is not getting her movies when you get all these other solo
1: films. Yeah, like we have the Voyager movie yeah. coming yeah, soon. Yeah. She's getting her own movie and TV series, and
0: um, but but it's it's exciting because because first of all, it's it's been a long time coming, but also because now we're we're starting to see the female characters finally, you know, getting uh, going a little bit, and I'm sure that the success of the Wonder Woman film probably had some small degree, uh, you know, of help with this. Um, so yeah, we're, we're in the writing stage, pre-production stages, but it looks like we're finally going to see, uh, a Black Widow, uh, movie. And I don't know if this is going to be kind of an origin thing, or if this is going to be something that, that happens after all the Infinity War stuff. Um, that that I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything. I don't know what what's been put out there or what rumors are floating around.
1: And it it has yet to be like one hundred percent confirmed, meaning like, oh here's the date and this is when it's coming out. It seems very like like you said it is in development and it is being has a writer and everything like that. Um, But usually when Marvel announces their MCU movies, they always do it like in the summer of San Diego Comic-Con where they show the screen. It'll probably happen either this summer or the next summer where they'll show the next slot of movies for the, you know, post phase, you know, starting phase four of their uh, MCU. And most likely just because the fans demanded it and just all the buzz about it, it's probably, you know, most likely going to happen. Um, because they had teased there was a, a photo shooting which brought together all the MCU women, whether they be from Guardians or Ant-Man and the Avengers all together, and, uh, I think Scarlet was one of those that was kind of saying, like, leading the charge, being like, oh, we should do, like, an all-female uh, Marvel movie and stuff, and they've definitely had a Force, which was a a series that ran for uh, a year or so. But just kind of you know focusing on them, and it was kind of cool to see that even though they haven't had their own movie upcoming, uh, Captain Marvel starring Brie Larson will be uh, a year from right now. Um, but there's definitely a lot of them present, whether they be in the the movies or the television. But yeah, like I said, it's long overdue. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. So at this point, we don't know when it will even happen. Will it be phase four, phase yeah. ten? we might get an old lady Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, uh, <maybe. laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it seems to be happening at least right now. I
2: uh, heard something um, recently about the writer, and I can't remember the name, but the writer is known for writing comedy. Okay. So I don't know that they're necessarily gonna be comedic in Black Widow, but it's gonna bring I'm sure it brings some humor to
1: and, and the, he, the script anyway. And to roll off of that, um the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo who did uh Captain directed Captain America the Winter Soldier, Civil War and now Avengers three and four, uh, they come from a comedy background. Um and like directed episodes of community on NBC and stuff like that and then when you see they do something like the Captain America the political thriller type movies you know you see the you know their their talents you know used in other other genres and stuff uh the one thing i always said about black widow while i will be the first one to buy a ticket and see it opening night even though she hasn't had her own movie when she should have the one upside is that she gets to appear more often in everybody else's movies. So while she debuted in Iron Man 2, she then got to be in the Captain America movies, got to be in the Avengers movies. And that was one cool thing too, is that, you know, she was at least, you know, and she was, you know, one of the main characters in the first Avengers having an important role in there and stuff too. So that that is the one upside to it, is that we get to see her a little more often. But yeah, it's definitely overdue for her own. Her own movie there,
0: yeah, and so uh, she's not the only female character that uh, that is or maybe uh, getting a movie sometime in the future. Um, and I can't think of the name, but the director of Deadpool, uh, Tim Miller, um, is that it? Okay, yep. He uh, he's talking about doing
1: uh, a Kitty Pride movie. And Tim Miller's the director of the first Deadpool. He mo- he decided not to return for the second one due to creative differences, and then I think he's working on some Terminator stuff right now with James Cameron, if I'm not oh, mistaken.
0: That's right, because well, the last thing I heard with the Terminator stuff is that uh, Cameron is actually coming back and oh. doing another Terminator movie, or another... I I've heard movie, I've heard another trilogy of movies, so I don't know. But every time that Terminator comes back, it's supposed to be kicking off a new trilogy. And and yeah. yeah.
1: But, uh, but yeah, Tim Miller, that's where he's from. So he's worked within the X-Men film universe with doing the first Deadpool, and now apparently has interest in developing yeah. the so, Kitty Pride
0: movie. So it hasn't gone beyond really the announcement that he wants to do it, um, but a lot of people are... Well, there's some differences. A lot of people are very excited for it. A lot of people are just confused because with the, uh, the deal going on... Um, Disney and Fox. Disney and, and Fox right now, they're going, well, why is Fox developing this mm-hmm. when there's a good chance that it would never happen because mm-hmm. Disney you know, is, is taking over? Um, but a lot of people are thinking, well, Kitty Pride might actually be a good um, character to kick off introducing, uh, mutants and to get the X-Men into, uh, into the Disney Marvel, uh, cinematic universe. Um, recasting probably isn't that big of a deal. Uh, She's already been been recasted.
1: Three three different, uh, people already. Yeah, and X-Men 1, 2, and 3, she was, uh, three different people, but then in the third one, Ellen Page came on when they actually decided to use her for the story. Right, um... So
0: they're you know, the thoughts as well people are used to seeing her being played by different people, so having a new uh a new actress. It's just a uh, different artist
1: part. in each movie, much like in a comic book. Right. That's right. what I always say whenever doing Pro- a casting, probably
0: so. wouldn't uh wouldn't be that hard to do. Right away a lot of the comments or a lot of people are going, All right, you know, put her in a guardian's uh movie
1: um, yeah, a couple years ago, uh, Kitty Pryde, uh jumped ship from uh, running the X Men, and she kind of had enough of it. And she uh, uh, had an interaction with Peter Quill when the Guardians were on Earth, and um, they started to develop a relationship. And she moved to space, and she eventually took over the Star Lord role as as Peter Quill took over his dad's uh, uh, kingdom yeah, or he whatever. Was, he was
0: leading that Spartax. Or yeah whatever and uh yeah she became the new uh star lord she did a lot of
1: cool stuff i liked a lot of stuff they did there but you know that's when i would go to these movies with uh, my non-comic reading friends um just to kind of blow their mind knowing that the x-men and the avengers were separate studios and stuff i would say uh fun fact you know kitty pride and star lord are a couple right now and he's like <laughs> what and i'm like that's comics yeah. anything can happen yeah
0: well, you know, if the character's name is Peter, Kitty yeah. Pride's probably going to date him.
1: Yeah, she's <laughs> she has a connection with a lot of Peters, Colossus, and then uh, over in the Ultimate Universe, uh, Peter Parker.
0: and Peter Parker in the Ultimates, yeah.
1: Um, Kitty Pride is a character that I suddenly became a bigger fan of come 2004 when Joss Whedon and John Cassidy did X-Men. Joss doing his uh, X-Men run um, became pretty legendary. The The book team was mostly led by kitty now what's interesting about that is that kitty pride is the inspiration for the creation of buffy the vampire slayer Mm. he used kitty uh that inspired him being like that's what she exists as and uh so that kind of drew my attention there, and I've been following Kitty ever since, going back into her stories and stuff, too. So when I heard, and while I would like everything all connected as well, um, when I had the idea of maybe a one-shot Kitty Pride movie that may or may not connect to either studio universes, um, I'd be excited to see that, because uh, what we haven't seen in the movies is her uh, best friend and companion, Lockheed, who is a little purple dragon... Um, which they haven't done any kind of mention to in the movies at all, but this could be a start to that maybe. Or
0: yes. well, of course, what they could do is um, Kitty Pride That the art she was originally based on the look of a young Sigourney Weaver, so they could cast Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver as an old lady Kitty Pride and uh, we could we could do that movie. <laughs> or or one of the I'll, I'll buy, buy it too. Sigourney's course, awesome, course, so I'll buy that too. Of course, too. one of the uh, <laughs> one of the early stories with with Kitty in the X Men is they did uh, a story that actually copied a lot, and they yeah. actually were were a little nervous that they were going to have some legal issues, but they they really copied um, uh, the the Alien mm. movies and in some of that stuff, and uh, so. Now of course with with disney getting the rights to uh to be able to do something oh, with Kitty cool. Pride and also getting the rights to uh to do like the alien stuff and <laughs> like, who knows maybe we who could knows? see a, old, an old lady uh Kitty Pride who's taking on the uh xenomorphs from the the aliens movies. But uh, now we're just getting really all yeah. crazy. So. <laughs> but yeah, yes, and then Mulder and Scully, who are now well, like middle age, could also you know investigate that, and it's probably part of a conspiracy.
1: And it's going to make billions. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Kitty Pride, I mean, she's been a character that she's around since the '80s, and uh, um, so I think she's. Uh,
0: but yeah, they, I mean, there are a number of things that they could do uh, with that, regardless of whether it's uh, the Fox or it's Disney here. Yeah. But I'm sure that deal will have a lot to do with whether it even happens, much less what you know, or how it's done.
1: And in a related note too, because people wondering why they're developing this now. But you know, we had talked about, you know, the deal for Disney and Fox still could have, you know, another year mm-hmm. for all the, you know, fine detail and stuff. But was a surprising move, and a lot of people are surprised is that the gifted, the current Fox show got renewed for a season two because people are wondering what's happening with Legion and gifted. They're having some success there and you're like, well, there's no way they're doing new seasons of that because of the merger and stuff like that. But then gifted got renewed. So it's possible, you know, they're still under contract and they can probably squeeze out another season before something else has to happen. But one thing that's interesting too, is that Legion and gifted was a joint production between Marvel and Fox Even though it was in the X-Men Fox universe, but Jeff Loeb, who's running Marvel Television, who does the Netflix stuff, does the ABC stuff with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, does the Runaways on Hulu and the Cloak and Dagger coming up on Freeform, he is also working with Legion and Gifted. So even though it's not connected to their MCU, but connected to the X-Men world, it's just kind of a... Who knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And we'll probably report back with a new story next week that yeah. debunks everything we just said. But Kitty Pride, I'm a fan. I'm ready for it. So, uh, other female characters. Uh... I recently
2: heard that um, She-Ra is coming back to television. Um, Netflix is producing a new version of the 80s,
1: I believe. <laughs> I think 80s.
2: Yeah. Um, and the... Showrunner for this is going to be Noel Stevenson, who is who I know as the writer of the Lumberjanes. Good book. comic. Um I know she's done other things as well, but
1: that's what she became most well known as.
2: And and I just saw um somebody praising her on that on their Twitter for that happening recently. So that's something that's very interesting and uh another another reason for me to look into getting netflix
1: <laughs> yeah there, there's a there's a lot of interesting things being developed and you know netflix uh and things like amazon prime video and uh hulu all of these networks that kind of create their own content there's so much more room for things that wouldn't naturally fit into like a nbc abc cbs type of format but now they're taking you know you know you know a geek genre type of programming that maybe wouldn't have worked fifteen twenty years ago, but now, as we know, it just there's a new comic book geek related thing popping up almost every week when it comes to old properties and such and
2: and just the um model that these um new networks have started even the cable networks you know of producing. Six or eight or ten episodes for a series, and then making multiple series—you know, different series throughout the year—instead of having one series that lasts for twenty or twenty-four, you know, yeah. episodes. It just you know gives creators a much much more creative chance to get something on the on the television.
1: Yeah, it's less of a risk when you know you're just like, all right, we're telling yeah this this kind and of specific story. And the fans can story. speak
2: and say what they want to see then.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a, a pretty good model that's uh based on other, you know, successes and stuff that uh, that uh that should be some exciting news for uh She fans there. Nice news.
0: Okay, so here's the section of the news where we drift into the not so good news.
1: We got some fun stuff afterwards, so Yeah, we'll pick we'll you back. Don't turn it off now.
0: Yeah, uh well, you know, we've uh we we've talked about uh, some of the things going on, uh sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, some of that's bled over, you know, it started off as this big Hollywood news networks and everything, uh, deal, and we started to see it bleeding over into the comics, uh, we had the, uh, the guy at DC who we discussed, um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, it didn't stop there, and so now reports are coming out that, uh, even uh, uh, it's hard to even say this, but Stanley Stanley is now uh, being accused um, by uh, by I, I guess it's the 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 company that does his in house yeah like nursing, the home care nurse home care stuff um, and they're they're saying that uh, that some of the home care nurses um, have have had some. Some issues, him, you know, making certain demands from them of a sexual na- nature and being uh, inappropriate, and this is over, you know, within the last couple of years, I think. Um, so, uh, so recent ac- accusations, and uh, s- some people are hearing <coughs> this and going, "Yeah, well, he's ninety-five years old," and kind of justifying it in that way, which you know, it, it's it's not good regardless of how old you are. That's really not an excuse. Um, you know, and it, it sucks because I think, you know, everybody's got this image of, of Stan Lee, you know, what a great, uh, great guy he is, you know, for, for bringing us uh, all these characters or, you know, you know, either, either creating them or <laughs> stealing them, uh, <laughs> from, from other people. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the last names that you want to hear in some sort of uh, scandal like this, is, is Stan Lee. Um, you know, it's also hard because as, as more and more of these names come out, um, it, it becomes hard to, to sift through and go, okay, what's true and what's not true? Um, because you don't... It, some of the stuff has been hidden for so long that... That you don't you don't want to dismiss it and say oh it's probably not true because um, it's one of the good things about it coming out is uh, finally people are standing up for this so you want to be able to side with with victims and and say you know no we can't do this and people have to pay for for their uh, their wrongdoing and be held accountable um, and it's it's really easy to to want to say, you know, oh, I, I love that guy. There's no way that he did that. Um, and, and I'm right there. You know, I want to be able to say this. So what, what I will say is I would really like for these accusations to, to turn out to not be true. And at the same time, you know, if if they are 95 or not, everybody's got to be held ac- accountable for their, their actions. Uh, I don't know what this will mean for... Uh, Stanley cameos in Marvel movies and, and things like that, so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how things play out, and uh, and how it all, you know, what else comes to light, you know, it, it might be one of those things where uh, it turns out to be just some some issue with this company. Um, it seems to be contained just to those people. The people currently doing is... Uh, uh, you know, that have taken over saying, no, you know, they haven't had any problems with it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how everything plays out and what, what turns out from the story. But, you know, there's uh, there's nothing that could be more important to report on right now in, in saying that we're doing a news thing, you know, than to, to say something this big with Stan Lee um, is, is happening. So, you know, we definitely had to bring it up. Um, what has he said, if anything, in response to this?
1: I don't think there was a, any direct quote from him, but his people—you know—it's usually how it is. Like things like no comment. and There's a lot of uh, a lot of his people denying everything, and yeah, right now it seems which, to be denial this is what from he his would people, and, and it's what you expects. and
0: nothing, uh, nothing from him, at least. at this point
1: Um, there was a couple there was maybe one or two appearance uh, uh cancellation but then there was something he just did appear at where he got an award for something i don't know the details on what they were but it went from like one or two public appearances being canceled to then no he made his first appearance since so what that means i don't know but yeah, and
0: again, it's it's always just a tough thing to say. It's like you know, Anthony, you've you've seen Stan how many times, you know, uh,
1: like five or six that I've interacted with him or so. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, you've you've definitely been willing to spend some money and go out of your way to, to, to get to to meet the guy. Um, and there's a lot of people yeah. who have. So, you know, um. You know, it's it's got to be tough. Uh. On a lot of people to to think of this person who's who's this comic book legend this this hero um, that uh, you know that assuming you know assuming that that this is true that you know
1: at at the age of ninety five when you see Stanley trending on Twitter, you have one thought just being like. I actually
0: away. had seen somebody's uh, somebody's comment on there where it, it was uh, the reaction was like relief, like oh thank God, you know, because yeah, I thought if you saw something like this, it was going to be Stanley's dead. So the initial is oh thank God it's not that he's dead, and then it's oh
1: like anytime you see anyone's picture and a name come up or trending, you know, now in this, you know, what's been happening over the last year or so, that's, you know, unfortunately one of the things you keep thinking of, you know, just being like, what did they do? And then you see, oh, like for instance, uh, Len Wein, co-creator of Swamp Thing, Wolverine, who had passed away a couple months ago, it was maybe a week or two after his death, a picture popped up randomly in my feed, where it was already, you know, all the mourning process went through and all those posts kind of went, happened and went away. So when his picture popped up like a month later, I'm like, oh, great, like, you know, here's something, you know, post-death, mm-hmm. all these stories coming out, but he was given an award, you know, beyond his death of something, and that was that same thing, being like, okay, good, you know, but, you know, now you see this, it was the same thing with Stan being like, seeing that trend, that's where I first saw him, like, Stanley's trending, I'm like, oh, no, mm-hmm. and then you see that, and it's like, yep, relief, and then it's also, oh, no, oh, no. again, yeah. Yeah. so, yeah. We, uh,
0: had any legal proceedings start to take place from this, or is it just? Well, I mean, not just, but have has it gone beyond saying that this happened to these people?
1: And you know, like you said, it was very confined to that nursing staff from two years ago. It has nothing to do with the current nursing staff, which have the opposite views of what they said. So it seems like it's, yeah, it's too early to say right, anything.
0: Not nothing beyond that, which um, which makes it easier to be like, oh, maybe it really was nothing. And at the same time, you get you have to fight with um with with that, you know, you got one guy on the shoulder going, Okay, you know, you didn't really do it and then you got the other one going, but well what if he did, you know, think of the, the victims. You you don't want to dismiss uh dismiss that. Um so yeah. it's, it's it's
1: tough. Yeah, you have the awful side of it being true and the awful side of let's say it wasn't true where, you know, he had lost his wife in this last year and stuff like that and just everything else that's going, it's like there's so many mixed emotions. and If it's
2: true <laughs> and if it's something that's just happening recently at 95 years old, is he also completely mentally stable, you know? Right. And if, and it if, could since be there's nothing thing. in the past.
1: Uh, yeah, that was something that someone brought up, too, for someone that's had that long career that, you know, there's been at least, you know, once again, it's still early, but there's been, you know... <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Nothing at least from what people know.
0: You know, and uh so yeah, I mean, is it is it something where his just mental facilities are just going and he's uh lo- losing that uh that that filter that most of us would have to right. not do or say these inappropriate things. Um and it's possible and again it's you know is is that an excuse, you know, not yeah you know, it's really It's really not and yet you see it. Um, My wife uh, was a CNA for a number of years and she worked uh, um, primarily around the elderly while she was doing that. Um, People with dementia and Alzheimer's and from those people you do see a lot more of that. Um, You know, (laughs) you you can start throwing in jokes about priests and and whatever but... um, she had also worked at a convent, um, where it was, they took care of the retired nuns and priests and stuff. And the same thing, you know, these people, um, who, um, didn't have or, you know, weren't supposed to have any of this, uh, sexual behavior or whatever, you know, suddenly they're finding these old priests and nuns hooking up because they, they don't even know what's going on. Um. And that's, that's really sad that that happens to people as they, they get older. But, um, again, you know, you also don't want to say, oh, it's okay. Oh, he's 95. It's
1: fine. And, and this, well, yeah. Oh,
2: no, I'm
1: sorry. Well, I was going to yeah.
2: say the difference is whether
0: or not, you know, he knew what he was doing and knew that it was wrong, but I guess we'll find out.
1: And speaking on his like mental health and how he's been, like, it was just September when I met him, what I... I said, like, this would be the last time I meet him, just based on all the other times i met him and this and that. And, you know, meeting him in person for the photo op and the autograph, very quick, like, he responded, like, quickly to what I said. Um, And then when he had his Q&A session, you know, hundreds of people sitting there and, you know, dozens of questions. Like, he was never so quick with the answers as he was there and just whether it be humorous and things like that, it wasn't a lot like you know, moments of him just kind of spacing out. So that's what it's just kind of weird too. thinking like, you know, you know, it's not defending him, but wondering, you know, like in his public persona, when it comes to red carpet interviews and stuff, even though he's 95, it doesn't seem like he's 95. Yeah. So that, that's one weird thing. Once again, it doesn't, you know, doesn't stand as a defense, but that's just from my own personal to when you're talking about like the mental health and stuff so obviously i think everybody around here probably Parkville. hopes yeah. hopes that it's uh untrue but we'll never know so until the next podcast maybe
0: yeah mm. so yeah well and... thank you for handling the big one <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of uh being held accountable
1: yes and having
0: consequences <laughs> uh diamond you know comic distributors um yeah, people have had problems for years for them. They they basically have the monopoly on uh distribution for comics. Um, you know, you can argue that they don't because there's other ways of getting comics, but realistically, I mean they have exclusive deals with Marvel, with DC, with Image, you know, Dark Horse, a lot you know, the bigger companies, um they have exclusive distribution deals with. And so there's really no way for, uh, for someone, you know, like, like us and comic book store retailers to, um, to deal in comic books, to have a comic book store, uh, without going through, uh, Diamond. However, even though we've got to deal with Diamond on some things, um, there, there are smaller independent uh, companies out there, you know, some of which deal with Diamond themselves, but um, they uh, they allow retailers to order directly through them. And uh, Alterna Comics, who our store has really kind of been, been pushing some of their stuff a little bit just because we found that they're, um, you know, we like what they're putting out, but they're also really good to work with. Um, but uh, they've they've kind of taken the lead, and and um, they're they're now pushing for retailers to not uh, I won't say not order, but not place reorders and stuff like that through Diamond for their stuff because Diamond is not filling those orders.
1: They've canceled a lot of their. They've canceled
0: a lot of them. Um, yeah, and it's the same thing for a lot of those small independent companies. If you haven't. Uh, put in those pre-orders through the previews, uh, which, you know, we always really stress that if you don't order it then and, and and in that way, there's a very good chance that you're not going to see those books. Um, Diamond has uh, limits, you know, on... you know, they have to meet so many orders in order to uh, issue a PO and order, order these books, and they just don't get Get them as many reorders as might be placed for book. It doesn't meet what they feel um, qualifies, or you know, whatever for them to, to put in an order. So, um, so Alterna, along with you know a lot of other uh, smaller companies, are finding that that Diamond's not filling these these reorders. Um, so at this point, Alterna's saying, don't even put in um, the the reorders through through them. Go through direct uh, through Alterna, um, and this isn't you know really for uh, for, for our customers, or whatever, but they're saying retailers, um, you're having these problems with, with Diamond, it's widespread, it's not going to change anytime soon, um, you know, so they're kind of making a stand and saying Just stop using them, order directly through us, um, they've updated their site and everything to make it Easier for retailers to order um, stuff directly through them. I myself just put in uh, a, a pretty good uh, order with with them uh, just a couple days ago, and uh, you know it's it's pretty easy to to do. Uh, they've they've got like a minimum or no minimums, but they've got like if you get you know this this amount, you know it's free shipping. Um, which is something that you're not going to get from Diamond, um, you know. And, and a lot of times, it's things like freight that kind of hurts you on uh, on, on ordering these things. Anyway, so um, so is kind of uh, leaving that charge, and now I'm starting to see from some of these other uh, independent companies like Insane Comics out of uh, uh, out of Chicago, they're doing the same thing. They're they've got things in place for. And they they're an example of somebody who wasn't really going through diamond to begin with um, but you're seeing some of these places more and more say okay retailers you can order directly through us we'll cut you deals we'll try to work out you know things on on the shipping we'll try to work out things for if you order X amount of books um, so uh, while a lot of a lot of comic book stores are just kind of really into that um, that habit, the routine, the routine of, of ordering, just placing their orders through, through Diamond. There, there are other options, at least for, through some of the independent stuff, the companies that, uh, that don't have the exclusive deals with Diamond. And um, I would recommend to anybody who might be listening that, uh, that is a retailer, um, or even maybe if you're going somewhere other than, than this shop here, uh, to maybe... Put put that in their ear, uh, and suggest that you know they they might want to start dealing um, with some of these other companies one on one rather than going through Diamond for everything. Uh, if if that happens, you know it's going to be a small percentage, but I would hope that if enough people started doing that regularly, that Diamond might start to see that they're not getting. These. Now they're not refilling a lot of these orders, anyways, mm-hmm. but just the fact that they start to lose some of these orders uh, because retailers start to become willing to order directly through the companies, I, I think that can potentially have have an effect. And I think the only way that Diamond's ever going to change their practices are if uh, you know if if the retailers are willing to make a stand wherever they can and say, hey, you know, you're not working for us, so we're going to go to somebody else, you know, when we're able to do so.
2: That's how you fight a monopoly, yep.
0: <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to bring that up and put that out there because while that might not be big news to most, you know, just regular customers, um, for uh, for some people, that are have an interest in, in these books and really want to see the stores have these books. One way to do that might be to try and get your retailers to start ordering direct through Alterna, start ordering direct through Insane and you know and all these other smaller companies.
1: Good. All right, I think that will uh, wrap it up for this week. Um, this coming Wednesday, we'll see the next issue of The Avengers No Surrender, which we'll meet back here to talk about. And then anyone listening or here at the table, always welcome to come in and bring your non-spoiler favorites of the week, and we can go around the table and uh, give praise to the books that we've been reading and hopefully inspire others to pick up those titles as well. Uh, this entire time, I've been Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. To be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic
0: Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.com. CrimsonCowl.com dot com